Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hi. We're Stephen Kay, and we're relatively new to the fellowship, and um, we're glad to be among y'all and enjoy y'all, and it's been a delight to be here. And uh, I have I've been in Raleigh a long time. Came have came here in 1981, and we were youth directors at St. Mark's United Methodist Church for about nine years, and then I did counseling for a bunch of years. First at a biblical counseling place in Oklahoma City called Scope, and then I came back here and I worked in a private practice, mostly with churches. And you would think that in all those kinds of experiences, they would have been all the kinds of stuff we sang about now. So my beginning introduction to the speech is going to seem kind of weird. In the midst of my counseling, um, I ended up in a really good relationship with a police psychologist for the for, for Raleigh. And he was actually a criminal profiler. And we ended up doing lots of stuff together, talking about criminal profiling. And he's passed away. His name was Dr. Teague. And Dr. Teague and I were visiting one day, and I asked him, how do you do this? How do you figure out a bad guy and actually be able to explain what the characteristics of that person are from a crime scene? He said, well, it's always really confusing. And I go, confusing? He goes, yeah, because the only way you can make sense of it is to ask yourself, how far from normal is this scene? In order to have done the things that happened here, how many steps away from a normal person am I? And that's actually a critical way to understand conflict also. I ended up going through three major careers in my life. I was in youth ministry, I did counseling, and then of all things, I was an, I've been an IT worker and trainer for 23 years in, in tons of different organizations. But, well, that's where this is going is, during that time frame, I ended up um, being asked, because a lot of people knew me when I worked at Sun Microsystems, I worked at VMware, and when I worked at Sun Microsystems, a lot of people knew that I used to be a counselor, and they used to give me, they used to joke about it all the time. And in the last few years, whenever we had conflict, I was called to go help moderate it in some kind of way or fashion. Mostly, I think it was my demeanor. In case you haven't noticed, I have a relatively flat voice. <laughs> so people can say the most outrageous things, and I'll sound like it doesn't bother me in the least. And um, what happened was, I was trying to figure out what conflict was, and I got into so many issues that I actually asked co the company to help me out, and I, went to, I had finished a master's degree in peace and conflict. And now I'm in a doctoral program in psychology focusing on positive psychology. And kind of a weird start for the end of my career here, but if I were to draw a line to kind of explain what I, had, what I went through in the last few years in understanding peace and conflict, it would look like this. This is a continuum of all kinds of relationships that people have in institutions and in, in groups and in families and in individuals. And you could think about it as polar opposites, where on one side we have death and the other side we have life. And for a while, my study was all about everything that had to do with conflict. Everything had to do with all kinds of horrible things that happened in the world. And when I was in the program, I studied everything from war to individual disputes that were going on with people. And if you were to look at what was going on on the red line over here, 
there's like three kinds of violence that happen in the world. One kind of violence is that people, I'm just going to put the letter P to make it easier to kind of almost see what I'm talking about, is prejudice. It's this sense of thinking about these other people and thinking badly about them from one group to another. And when that really grows in a society, what ends up happening is we begin to deny others of what, it, what is required for life to happen. We start to build structures and we create rules and the rules are there to prevent people from having life. It actually is denying people of what would be offered them if they were really a part of what we were doing. And then this is just literally physical violence. Whenever we begin to do harm, all, you know, when we've gotten to the place where conflict is so bad, the only way we, want, we can resolve it is, is in order to destroy the other person. And think of this in the worst kind of way. Think of this in, in what's happening, for instance, in Ukraine, is that Russia is literally trying to destroy, not the people, the entire culture, to wipe them off of the face of the earth. And this is the confusing part that I had a long time looking at. They call this, I'm going to have to do it, negative peace. And what they mean by that is it's the absence, or the absence of all that's the stuff that's over here. And another thing you could say about it is it's empty. There's nothing going on here, positive or negative. It's just merely neutral. And therefore, it's tenuous. At any moment, it could be pulled in one direction or the other. And the far side is what God is trying to do, and it's literally shalom. It's a vibrant kind of love that can take place within our lives where we are bringing out life. It's a kind of peace that even when there's disagreement, we have all these mechanisms and ways that we can re restore those situations. And that's just the beginning here. We could take this side, and just like we had, we could, we're beginning to offer life instead of uh, by embracing people here. And we're, and when it comes to the denial, we're actually providing for others so that they can grow. And here we are giving abundant life. And what I mean by abundant life is that it's generative, meaning that when you're in peace, you're actually pushing it out into the world, just like when you turn a light on in a dark room. That's actually what the majority of Shalomah is about, is trying to convey that God himself, by his attributes, is peace, and where God is, peace exists. And now let's get to practical and real stuff, okay? Tell them what it's really all about. I wanted to bring up something about peace. If you look in the scripture, there's... As we have discovered the last month, thinking about this, thousands upon thousands of references to peaceful life and peace in Christ and peace in God. But one, the one I chose was Rebecca. Rebecca, um, Isaac needed a wife in, in the worst possible way. And his, his dad, Abraham, said to his servant, go and get me a wife for Rebecca. So... He left and he made these promises that he would not take Isaac back to the wife, but bring only the wife back to him. And when he got there, he prayed and he was not a Christian. He was, he said, I will pray to my master's God. And he prayed to his master's God for a, a woman who would come and not only give him a drink, 
but also water all the cam- cam- water all the camels. And so he was looking for a hospitable, strong uh, woman who would sense in a situation another's need. And also, when it gets down to well, whether Rebecca will come back and win, they said, let's ask her herself. The family said, yes, she can go and be Isaac's wife. But then they said, you know, when, when would you go? In 10 days? Now? And they asked Rebecca. And Rebecca was willing to go back. And that's the way I would like to choose my daughter's husband. I would like to <laughs> pray and have all of these miraculous things surround who comes and marries my daughter. Um, and that is peace. It is shalom because it is the flourishing in the situation. It is the flourishing. It's not just you're starving and you get a sandwich. It's you're starving and you get a banquet. And so peace is basically a banquet. And I have experienced this in my own life. First, in, in, in a part of my life that was very negative was depression, anxiety, and mania. I had that very strongly in my life. And then now I have a relationship with God where he's allowing me to minister and not be in a dark place, but be in a place of light and vibrancy. And that is with Crosswave and with this gathering and with church and small group. Um, he is giving me the opportunity to give peace to others. So he's put a, when he puts peace in our situation with ourselves, with other people, it brings peace to the whole world. And I believe that as we connect to him in a repentant way, that is when we're able to give peace to the whole world. And it is our connection with him that only gives us peace. Um, my quote that I wanted to read you, talking about how, um, I'll just read it to you. Peaceful, peace, God said, flowing like a gentle river, righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. And that is how much peace God wants to give us, like a gentle river and like waves rolling over us because peacefulness and righteousness are connected. And I also wanted to say that uh, how the scripture, we did a whole thing on scripture, a whole look over the whole Bible. And this is what we came up with from some help from the seminary. (laughs) Blissful, uh, personal well-being is part of peace. These are all things part of peace. Personal well-being, blissful sleep, health, long life, moral uprightness that leads to inner tranquility, peace of mind, weather conditions for a harvest, abundance of food, security from war and beasts, victory over enemies, favorable increase of your population, Yahweh's faithfulness, and most of all, Yahweh's presence. And uh, I'll just close my part by saying, I know you've heard of C.S. Lewis, and he said, it's not only winter, now it's Christmas. And the the greatest blessings that can outflow from Jesus uh, aren't just peace and a portion, negative, the lack of negative. It is also the great blessings and supreme, vibrant life is what peace is. It's not... It's not starving, then get a sandwich, then it's get a banquet, not just a sandwich. Mm-hmm. In Paul's writings, he talks about peace, and he 
And um, there's a big contrast between how the Greeks and the Romans thought of peace. They thought of it as negative peace. Brief moments, tenuous moments without war. But Paul came along and took the same environment, exactly where the exact same things were happening, and he argued that peace was something that was present all the time, and it's aberration when you pull away from it. So you see at the beginning of all of his blessings, when he writes a church, he always talks about peace being bestowed upon those people. And it's actually a Hebrew blessing. He's actually taken a Greek and Roman culture, and he's writing to them as if he was writing to another Hebrew. And he's saying, I'm blessing you with shalom. But more than that, I'm saying that peace is actually an attribute of God. And where peace lives, it has the essence of God within it. So where peace lives, that's why there's life and there's vibrancy to it. It's because it's actually a part of the nature of God. So whenever we call God into our presence, we're calling peace. And that was the basis by which Paul said, we need it whenever we get into conflicts with one another. There's four specific examples he gives in his in his uh, in the epistles where he he's telling people how to resolve a conflict and basically saying how do we walk back to normal and see how many steps away we are and we focus on how do we restore relationship with one another how we have to be right with God we have to be right on our insides and then we work our way out and it's not until the church is actually demonstrating peace that we can begin to affect the rest of the world so I ask you, take a step back and go back to normal. <laughs> Which is peace. <laughs> I'm like the candles. I don't think Richard knows oh, what I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> the, first, uh, can, the first candle is hope from last week. And let's see if I can attend this properly. That could be dangerous. And now we're going to light the candle of peace. not going to sing it again I'm just um, I just want to ask you a question how many steps away are you from normal <laughs> but to put it a little differently how many steps away are you from a sandwich of peace or how many steps away from a are you from a banquet of peace? Close your eyes. We're going to think about this for a moment. Lord, all I can think about is that song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, and let it begin with everybody else. <laughs> Except that's not the way... The composer wrote it. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a hunger, a hunger 
a deep-rooted hunger, Lord, this word that we use about wanting sandwiches and wanting banquets, a hunger, a physical need within our body for nourishment. Lord, give us that sort of hunger for this peace that Steve and Katie have shared with us about, this shalom, this tranquility, this fulfillment, this security, this presence of God. Not just on Sunday morning, but at every moment of the day. And Lord, as it, as, it, as it behooves us as believers in Christ, we want to bless one another with this peace. We want to speak peace over one another, speak shalom over one another. So Lord, do a mighty work in our hearts and our minds as we think about these words. Let us, let us not lose sight, Lord, that this peace is also a fruit of your spirit at work within us. And so, Spirit of God, come do your work among us. Lord, I don't believe there's anyone here today that says, I've got enough peace, I don't need any more. Or, I offer the fragrance of peace in every room I enter. It pushes out from me onto others. Well, that's probably why you use the word fragrance of Christianity. Let it be a fragrance, Lord, of life and not of death. Let it be a fragrance. Let our lives be a fragrant offering of peace to you. So, Lord, we're going to move on now, but I want you to seal this moment in our hearts that everyone here could live a life of peace and be a peaceful blessing to others. Anybody want to agree to that? Thank you, God. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.